0: The following is paid programming brought to you by WT Wealth Management. Nothing we discuss should be considered as investment advice. This conversation is for informational purposes only. Please do your own research and speak to an investment advisor or financial planner before making any investment decisions. Welcome to Intelligent Investing with Glenn Least. I'm your host, Jeff Orvitz, and this week we'll discuss investing versus emotions, Plus, investment advice you might have given yourself 15 years ago and new areas of interest, including autonomous driving, lithium square, and more. Glenn Leist is a senior investment advisor with WT Wealth Management, and you can learn more about Glenn by going to wtwealthmanagement.com or by calling 928-225-2474. All right Glenn um we talked about this last week we talked about it last year we're going to continue talking about it I think through 2022 uh how do we shield ourselves can you give me some ways that we can shield ourselves against rising inflation going forward? Because you, you said you think it's going to continue, the inflation. So yeah, knowing yeah. that, uh, assuming that, how do you protect yourself? How do people protect themselves?
1: Well, we know one way not to protect ourselves, which is just keeping money in the safe or money in the bank. We know that that is definitely not going to help us beat inflation um, we talked about bonds right now are, are in a pretty low yield environment. So bonds have not been able to really help us beat inflation. So the other asset classes or ways that we can beat inflation, I've, I've got a couple of them that we'll name off, but, uh, you know, we've got stocks, real estate, commodities, those are great ways. Um, even types of cryptocurrencies, you know, for certain investors can be great ways to beat inflation. But when we talk about stocks, uh, y- so you say you own a share of uh Apple, right? And Apple it costs them more money to produce the iPhone. It costs them more money to make the battery and the chip. Uh, they're not just going to make less profit at the store, right? When they sell it to you, they're not going to just sell it for $1,100 oh, and, well. and, and, and make less profit. They're <laughs> yeah. going to say, hey, we're going to pass along the cost to you. And now we're going to maybe charge you $1,200 for the same item. And so companies, historically, stocks have done a great job of protecting against inflation because they can pass along the cost to the consumer. Um, and it's almost expected. The consumer is like, hey, I'm not expecting Sprouse to just eat the profits and not charge me more for the goods and services, they're going to pass on those costs to me. So most companies do pretty well in an inflationary environment because they can pass along those costs. And same with real estate, real estate's the same way as, as things go up in costs, you charge more for rent, you know, your house becomes worth more. And so real estate tends to appreciate quite well. Um, commodities, you know, can do well, uh, Historically, when we think commodities, some people think like oil and gold. Gold has actually not done so well over the last couple of years. You'd think that that one would normally keep better pace with inflation, but it just hasn't uh, historically. So uh, other commodities that might be a decent player, maybe like your metals that are used for construction or for building of consumer goods. Um, We've seen a huge increase in like steel, timber, um, even lithium. You know, those are, those are items that are considered commodities that will tend to do quite well, or even like grain Um, right now we're seeing a huge surge in price for just worldwide costs of, of food. Um, part of it is because they're, some countries are deciding to keep more, more storages, you know, for themselves and that's causing price increases to go up. And then we have labor shortages. So, you know, commodities are a great way to also hedge against inflation. And then cryptocurrencies, you know, that's an area that we, as a firm uh, we, we think can be appropriate for, for some investors, yeah. not obviously all investors, because there's a lot that goes into a lot of risk, but cryptocurrencies have done quite well over the last couple of years and compared to inflation. So that's, those have appreciated quite well. And if you're thinking about, some of these other nations right now that are really struggling with inflation, like your Zimbabwe, Nigeria, Turkey, you know, they're all having currencies that are just being devalued like crazy. A lot of them opt to use cryptocurrencies because they're a better store of value. Um, so some of those are great ways to keep pace inflation. We, we do um, pretty much all of those in our portfolio, with the exception of some of the cryptocurrencies. You know, so we do a lot of the stock exposure. We have a lot of you know real estate holdings in our portfolios. We have some commodities that we really think will do. Quite Quite well. Um, when it comes to commodities and real estate, you just got to make sure you're picking the right kind of real estate. Cause there's some real estate that's doing very well and some that's not so well. Yeah. So really you got to make sure you're in the right type. So, um, and we we've done a great job of that for our clients of helping them, you know, stay ahead of inflation, but those are some great ways to do so.
0: It's probably a big difference between office space in New York city and, uh, real estate going <laughs> on I mean, in Florida or even Arizona right now. It's, it's all local.
1: Yeah. And even so the difference between residential and commercial, um, so, certain commercial real estate investments we're not as interested in, and others we are. So, a good one example that we really like is warehouse uh, real estate. Uh, right now. So warehouses that specifically maybe have a lease agreement with like a Walmart or an Amazon or a target. Um, cause we've seen, you know, our home Depot, home Depot has just seen a crazy growth over the last couple of years. A lot of it is because people are doing more home repairs at their house or they're, you know, buying more stuff to fix up their home. So um, real estate can be a great uh, addition to your portfolio, but you want to make sure that you're doing your due diligence and having the right type of real estate that fits into, cause yeah, like you said, office space and, you know, New York city is probably not, you know, probably not doing as well as it used to, or, you know, and virtual, we've talked about virtual uh so people
0: can work remotely.
1: Yes. Some of these cities that have had pretty restrictive lockdowns or they can work remote, you know, the office spaces are not as in demand anymore. So yeah, you got to be careful about which real estate you're picking and choosing. Um, we've seen actually in Flagstaff, you know, it's almost like every day you hear about someone that moved out here and they've got a tech job somewhere out in California and now they can work remote. And so they don't have to live in the big city and they can, you know, have some property out here and, uh, it makes it harder for you and I to, to buy any kind of houses because yeah. the prices have just gone crazy. It's like, man, it's hard to find anything here in Flagstaff
0: now. And then they're in New York watching that series Yellowstone thinking, I just moved to Montana and be a, a cowboy and work remotely. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on how remote you want to yeah, go. Exactly. I mean, you still want to be somewhat close <laughs> to civilization. So yeah, exactly. Um, we've talked about the returns that people should expect going forward, especially, you know, we're just talking about inflation, Glenn, and, uh, how much longer do you think the, the markets are going to continue upwards? I mean, is this a, an impossible question to to answer and, and put you on the spot?
1: Well historically if we look at the the stock market returns say from like 1957 the S&P 500 has been up around 10 and 10% range on average during that time so for us to have these years like last year in 2021 where the market was up in the mid 20s uh, 2020 the market was up in the mid teens and before that it was up to double digits as well uh, we're far above and beyond what we'd normally see in the Mars Far's as market returns and I think part of that Uh, At least in the 2021 year, I think part of the reason why we saw such outsized returns was because of the uh, monetary policy. I mean, they, they juice the economy with so much uh, money and, and the interest rates are so cheap that a lot of companies had just great earnings and a lot of them also recovered from the pandemic too. So uh, I, I don't necessarily think these, these massive double digit returns are going to be reasonable moving forward. I think moving in 2022, we should expect to see more in line with that average, you know, in that kind of single digits, you know, maybe low double digit returns on average in the market. So um, I, I definitely don't know. I mean I mean, I hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully the market, you know, does incredibly well because that's great for everyone. But yeah. I just think realistically, I, I tend to agree. I don't think the market can keep having these amazing years like it's had. Um, I think kind of coming back down to normal for at least a couple of years is probably more realistic.
0: Because Glenn, we've talked about the bond tapering um, that's supposed to occur. That's maybe already occurring where the, just remind the listeners about that because they've been kind of juicing it by doing all this, the bond buying. So you think that that's going to end or at least be tapered off? That's what they're saying, at least.
1: Yeah. So when they talk about bond buying, that is uh, the Federal Reserve has kind of artificially propped up the bond market by buying bonds on their balance sheet. And they were buying about $120 billion a month of uh, bonds. You know, I think the split is both of them are U.S. treasuries and then uh, maybe 15, 20% are, are mortgage-backed securities. But right now, what they're doing is saying, hey, instead of buying $120 billion a month and propping up the bond market, we're going to buy $105 billion, or we're going to buy $90 billion. and slowly. But surely, they'll get that number down to zero. And so as they start to taper or buy less bonds, I think it'll put less uh, liquidity into the bond market and prop it up. It, it will stop propping it up quite as much. Um, so as they do that, it'll be interesting to see where the returns of the bond market go, um, especially as they start to raise interest rates as well again simultaneously i mean i'm hoping that bonds actually start to come back and give us some decent returns but um we'll see we'll see how that goes because you know we've had not so great years in the bond markets lately so uh and unfortunately if people have a 50 50 bond stock portfolio their stocks can do incredibly well but if their bonds are flat it can bring down the portfolio substantially so um, bonds are in an interesting environment for sure
0: we're talking with Glenn Least of WT Wealth Management. Call Glenn Least at 928-225-2474. There's no obligation. That's 928-225-2474. Or you can visit Glenn by going to WTwealthmanagement.com. Glenn, let's uh let's switch gears and talk about your thoughts on on money. Seems like you, you probably spend most of your time trying to get people to grow their money and, and investments. Let's start with this. How do you view money and the type of work you do? <laughs> There's a good question. I like
1: this. <laughs> um, you know, I look at money as, as really just a tool, right? You know, and a tool in itself is neither good or bad. It's how we use the tool. Um, and I think maybe some of us grow up in an environment where we think money is inherently bad for some reason. And I don't know why that is. Um, you know, I think maybe when I grew up, I I thought I heard the phrase money is the root of all evil. And so I thought, Oh, money is inherently bad. But I think I got that phrase wrong. I think the phrase goes, the love of money is the root of all evil. So, you know, kind of how I look at money is really just a tool and a resource, you know, And, and my goal with what I do each and every day is to help my clients really maximize what they're trying to get out of life as far as their finances investments. Because the better I can help them grow their finances and their investments, the more they can really achieve the things that they want to do in their life, whether that's travel or um, be able to raise their kids or take care of themselves or, you know you know, have a good life or send money to charities that they're passionate about. So, you know, really, you know, money is a, is a great tool. And unfortunately it's money is not everything, but it is a very important part of our life, right? You know, so try and try and live your day without actually having money. And it's very challenging, but it's not, it's not everything in life. So I look at really money as a tool. As far as the work that I do, um, you know, I'm in this industry to help people. Uh, when I first got into the industry, that was the main thing I wanted to do is I really wanted to help other people be successful with their money and their finances and their resources. So that way, um, you know, they can do all the things that they want to do. So a lot of what I do day to day is when I first meet with clients is I really want to understand, you know, what's important to them. You know, what are their goals? You know, how long do they want to work? You know, what do they want to do? What do they, you know, maybe material things, what do they want to have? Do they want to have a home that they can have, a vacation home somewhere where they can have the kids and the grandkids over, or they want to be able to pay for the kiddos wedding one day or help buy them a house or, um, you know, not work till they're 75, 80 years old or not be a burden on their kids. So a lot of times when I meet with clients, it's helping to understand re- what really makes them tick and what their goals are. And then mapping out a game plan to say, Hey, this is, you know, how we're going to help you get there. And that, that part of the job is probably the most fun part of the job is really helping people reach their g- dreams and, and helping them be that advocate in their corner saying, Hey, I'm, I'm here to help you reach your, goals. And so that part of the job is very exciting.
0: But the not so fun part is we talked about like March of 2020, when things really tanked and the stress of, okay, I got to call Glenn because the market went down. I mean, did, did you know, getting into this, (laughs) what it would be like on those days?
1: You know, I don't, I don't know that I knew the, the potential stress that was going to be in this environment. I mean, there's not a lot of people that do what we do. And I think there's a lot of weight that's on our shoulders because people do come in with sometimes, you know, their entire life savings and they're entrusting us to grow it for them. And they put a lot of trust in our, our abilities as a firm and as me, as an individual. So, um, there's a lot of weight on my shoulders. So sometimes when I hear a client, you know, or someone that calls me like, Oh, we didn't have such a good month. You're like, to me, sometimes I am in the back of my mind going, yeah, I know. I'm the one that didn't sleep last night, you know. So there's a, there's a lot of weight that comes with my job, and that that is the, definitely the downside. There's a lot of um, potential stress on, on tough days, but I, I try and you know keep an optimistic outlook to to know, hey, this is only temporary, and and I think during the pandemic, um, one of the things that was refreshing is I had a, a great outlook, you know, for my clients, and I helped to reassure them, hey, this is only temporary, this is going to pass, this is not the the end, and and this too, you know, is just temporary. And, and helping be that advocate in their corner to help be that voice of reason, because it seemed like every time you turned on the news, we we thought the world was ending, that everything was, you know, gonna crash, and you know, the world was gonna, you know, come to an apocalypse. You know, that's what at least that's what it seemed like to me when I was watching the news. It was like everything was nothing but bad. So
0: it had the um, death count on the on <laughs> the screen for a long time. I mean, it doesn't get much worse than that.
1: Yeah, that that definitely. Uh, doesn't, uh, inspire you. you Confidence, know. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, yeah. that's, you know, that's just tough that, when you see that. But, um, so there's parts of the job that are very challenging, you know, and we don't have good years or, you know, if we make an investment decision that maybe doesn't go the way that we want it to, I mean, we were right most of the time, you know, but there's an occasion where we make an investment decision on a company and it doesn't pan out. And that's, that's, you know, we have to own up to that and say, Hey, you know, we, everything looked like it was a good investment and this, you know, our, our research showed, but, you know, maybe the company just didn't live up to expectations. So we have to be okay with, um, you know, swallowing our pride and, and you know, cutting, you know, our losses and moving on to the next opportunity. And, and that, that is challenging with our, you know, profession is, is being able to, you know, not only, you know, take credit for our success, but admit when, you know, maybe we, you know, made a decision that wasn't, that didn't pan out too.
0: Glenn, let's uh, switch gears to money mistakes. I mean, what, what, what kind of mistakes, would you first of all recommend people avoid and maybe let's do like top five money mistakes real quick here. Uh,
1: I've been doing this for a while. So I've seen, unfortunately, I've seen some people uh, make not so good decisions uh, for themselves and, and, Sometimes I haven't been able to talk them out of it. So I, I kinda have my list here of the the top five money mistakes if I was to or five investing mistakes that I've seen over the years. And and the first one I'll start with is just not investing and saving. You know, I you'd be surprised how many people are out there in America that should be calling us and aren't, you know, for whatever reason they, you know, aren't investing, they aren't saving their living, spending every single dollar they have and really investing and saving. It's it's about the individual. It's helping them prepare for a better future for themselves. And I try to encourage my clients like, Hey, this isn't, this is about you. This is about me helping you reach your goals. And so you saving investing is a good thing. I've just, I've never had clients come up to me years down the road and say, Hey, Glenn, I've saved and invested too much money. You know, I'm really disappointed that I planned for my own future. It's just not a conversation. I've just never heard those words. In fact, a lot of times it's, you know, Glenn, actually, you know, when you, you met me and I was young and you got me kind of started, man, I'm, I'm glad I got started, you know? So that's, you know, one money mistake I would say is not investing or not saving that. That's a big one. Um, another one that I've seen number two on the list, uh, of money mistakes is, is having too much of the wrong kind of debt. You know, it's, that's one of those things. It's, it could be a good thing and it could also be a really bad thing. So like, for example, most of us aren't able to pay cash for our house. So we borrow money for it. And that actually could be a good type of debt. Uh, the bad type of debt is all the debt that really is not an appreciating asset. So you like your, your cars or your credit cards, You know, those are things that you know, you're paying interest on and the asset themselves are not growing. And so uh, I think that's where you get people into trouble where it becomes hard for them to save and invest for their own future when they're paying out capital one or MasterCard a ton of interest each and every month. And so I definitely have seen that be a mistake is just having too much of the wrong kind of debt. So having too much credit card or student loan debt or, yeah. you know, vehicle debt, that's really challenging. That's a hard hole to dig yourself out of once you get pretty deep. And unfortunately I've seen the harder ones is when you have someone that's taken out an absorbent amount of maybe student loan debt and they're now graduated And even if the interest rates at four or 5% on the student loan, but it's in the six figures, it's like a mortgage payment every month. It seems like they hardly can ever get out from underneath it. So I always encourage people to try and uh, keep as little uh, consumer debt as possible and try and pay cash for as much. And it's not always possible, but if it is, you know, and we can delay gratification and delay some of those items and, and maybe save up for it. Or for example, maybe, you know, you need a car in three years, right? Your car, you know, it's kind of, you know, got a couple years of good life left into it. Why don't you open up an account with us and start saving a couple hundred bucks a month, you know, now so that way when you're ready to buy the new car in three years, you've got a good chunk of money saved up for, and that money has been working for you instead of the other way around is you working for the interest. So, um, that would be mistake. Number two, um, number three, I've seen this happen is, uh, people letting fear or the fear of failure, um, stop them from ever taking any kind of risk in their life. Uh, I mean, when I got into this this industry as an investment advisor, I took a, a ton of risk getting into it because I, I went from a stable-paying job in the healthcare field, left it, and dropped all of my professional designations in the healthcare field to come do this. And there was no guarantee at all. Uh, there's no guarantee of me actually making it, or, or me uh, of being able to support my family at the time. I had, I had, uh, my first daughter, she was young. So that was a big risk. Yeah. But for me, it was never a thought in my mind of I'm going to let fear. I mean, obviously we always want to keep in the back of our mind, like, Hey, we want to count the cost before we do anything. But I've seen some people where they just so afraid to ever take any risks that they just kind of stay, um, where they're at. And that's, that's unfortunate. Um, is just not ever taking any kind of risk. So that's number three. Um, number four, I'd say for, for, for financial mistakes is not having any kind of plan, you know, and, you know, never really mapping out what their goals are and not having a plan to reach those goals. So that is, you know, something that it's, it's hard to hit a target. You know, when you, it's hard to hit, you know, target, if you don't actually ever paint the target on, you're actually trying to yep. shoot at it. If you're just blindly shooting arrows in the forest, you know, like you're never going to really hit your target. So You have to first paint a target so you know where you're trying to aim at. So definitely having a goal or a plan or at least something, even if your plan is just, Hey, I want to be debt free in five years okay, at least we we got something, you know, and then we can kind of break down, okay, what does it take to get us there? And how do we make some progress? Even if we don't reach the goal right away, at least we're making progress in the right direction. So I've definitely seen people that just have no, no goals or no plan. And then they expect, you know, what's that phrase go? Um, if you fail to plan plan to fail, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I've seen that unfortunately. Um, and I guess that the last money mistake that I've seen is, is people trying to, go it alone when it comes to this this finances and investing thing, as they, they think that uh, hiring someone or talking to someone is maybe not worth it, or they don't want to talk to someone about it, so they try and go it alone. And I've seen that be really challenging for people because uh, you could read stuff on on Reddit boards or blogs, and you know, you know, your neighbor can give you a hot stock tip, or your banker can give you a hot stock tip, or whatever, or give you some financial piece of advice. But a lot of times, those individuals have no vested skin in the game, so they could care less whether that advice pans out or not. And so um I definitely say having someone in your corner you know and seeing the value of having whether it be like myself or a CPA or anyone else that can really help you in the in the professional and financial realm um, that's a big thing is having someone that could really help be that that individual to bounce ideas off of or to help even educate you or guide you in the right direction I've seen too many people go it alone and and trying to save a penny, you know, and then they end up pinching, you know, pinch a penny and, and cost themselves a nickel sort of thing. And so that is definitely something I've seen as a mistake when it comes to money. Um, I would never think to try and do my taxes or buy real estate on my own cause I'm not an expert in that. And so I would definitely hire a professional, um, same even with my, my car. Like I, I'm not a professional mechanic, so I'm going to hire someone and, and probably save myself a lot of heartache along the way by just, you know, not trying to go it alone. So that's definitely some of the mistakes I've seen.
0: When you work with Glenn Least, his investment committee leverages over a century of combined experience to grow your money, not your fees. And they invest their personal savings the same exact way they invest your money. Call Glenn Least for a complimentary consultation at 928-225-2474. There's no obligation. Just call 928-225-2474 or go to wtwealthmanagement.com. Tune in next week, this same time for another edition of Intelligent Investing with Glenn Leist on 97.1 The Big Talker. We'll see you soon.